I was I was driving with a friend of mine about um, how long ago was it? It was about twenty twenty two years ago. We're driving together, and he puts on a uh, a tape of the Rebbe speaking. Remember, 20, 20 years ago, used to be this thing called tapes. You've heard of tapes, yeah. So the Rebbe said a line, and and it stayed with me, and I want to share it with you. Um, the Rebbe said, whenever my father-in-law met someone, he brought something inside them. He put something inside them. I just asked, now I was driving my family, asked them, what do you think, what was the word the Rebbe used? When my father-in-law, every touched someone, he always brought this, and he put it inside them. What do you think that this is? So I asked the people, my, one person said it was, he gave people ability, another person said he gave them intelligence, another person said he gave them um, Aves Yisrael, gave them a feeling of love for their fellow Jew. And another one of my children said he gave them um, blessings. Anyone want to guess? This is something revealed. Huh? When you say this, it's something revealed. Something revealed. He gave us, he gave us this. Gave us something that you could... Oh, something palpable. What was the this? What, what this did he give us? Which the, which this? No, what do you what do you guess the deal? What was the, what the previous had put inside every person that he met? Foundation. foundation. What is the foundation? Mr. Snafesh. What is Mr. Snafesh? What is inside of it? The word that I used was I don't want to guess. Storm. 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 You know, everyone's using a word which is outside of the word that Rebbe used, which is outside of it. The word that Rebbe said, the word which is the essence of it, which is, that's why it stayed with me. Rebbe said, whenever my father-in-law met someone, he brought life into every person he came in contact with. He brought, put life into them, which automatically means he gave them blessings, automatically means he gave them love, automatically means he gave them ability, he gave them devotion. It all comes with, he put life into them, which is very relevant to tonight. 15th of Shvat. Right. 15th of Shvat is connected to the tree, the fruit. And unlike, um, unlike other um, things we need to survive, fruit, which is connected, the celebration of 15th of Shvat is about fruit. Fruit is, a, is something you eat for pleasure, for enjoyment. And there actually said, the very first thing you have to have every day, what's the first thing you have to feel every day? First thing you have to feel every moment. Pleasure. You remember, Shlomo? You're a good student. Very good. David Gam. The first thing you have to have is pleasure. Pleasure, you feel that Hashem is with you, Hashem is listening to you, Hashem is interested in you. Even before you say Moda'an, you think the first thing you have to have is gratitude. Before the gratitude, the first feeling you have to have every day is a pleasure that Hashem is looking at you. You have to have pleasure. And that feeling of pleasure is to go with you your whole, whole entire day, which is which is the, the key to the next element of the 15th of Shvat, which is, what's the next element? The 15th of Shvat is about growth. What makes you want to grow? You feel enjoyment in what you're doing. And there's a third thing about the 15th of Shvat. It's a funny thing. We celebrate the 15th of Shvat with eating fruit. But this is not the time when the fruit grows. This is a time when the, when the seeds are planted. Why are we celebrating now eating fruit? Now is the time when the, when the seeds are planted. And the answer is, is that we're the people, we came to the temple, the story of Hanukkah, and there was no, not enough oil for the menorah to burn, we're the ones who lit the menorah anyways, because we knew Hashem would help us. So a Jew, even though it's way, way before the seed has, has budded and turned into a tree as the fruits are growing, not way before, just he plants the seed. 
The majority feels for sure Hashem will give him success. For sure Hashem will help him. That's where we're supposed to go. But the question is this. The question is this. This all sounds like beautiful. Pleasure, enjoyment, growth, life, right? But we all have, in our life, we all have roadblocks. We all have challenges. We all have moments where we feel we can't get through, we're stuck. We're, we're, we're in a situation of a challenge. We have mood swings. We can't break the mood. We're stuck in this mood. How do we, how do we contend with all these, these different things that Hashem puts in our life that seem to be like you're stuck there. You can't go out of it. So I want to share with you a story about Ramosha Kraus. Ramosha Kraus was born in 1922 in Hungary. And he was a very, very gifted uh, cantor. They called him the wondrous child. As a child, he was sought after to, to sing in the various synagogues in his time in, as a child. And some of the Nazis came. In the camp that he was in, there was a Nazi uh, named Joseph Kremer. And Joseph heard about him. He was famous, this boy. He asked him to sing for him. And imagine this. He sings for the Nazi, and the Nazi cries. I mean, the Nazi cry. It's amazing. And the Nazi asked him to sing for him every Sunday. But not only did his singing save his life, with his singing, he also was able to boost the morale of the Jews in Auschwitz, where he was. The, he was when the Jews came back, they were working back-breaking labor from morning till night, he sang for them. He sang for them, he sang for them, and he encouraged them. And even though he himself, he lost his father and his mother, he lost five of his brothers, nevertheless, he had this tremendous power, and he brought simcha, brought happiness to people who were crushed. But something happened to him through this experience, and after the war was over, he, cut off, he came from a very Hasidic family, but he cut off his payas, he, he took off his tzitzis, he cut off his beard, and shortly after the war, he was in a DP camp. In DP camp, there was a prayer service in the big auditorium, who was leading the prayers? The Kloisenberger Rebbe. He himself had been a chazan. He had been a cantor for the Kleisenberger Rebbe. And he is, and the Kleisenberger Rebbe sees him. He says, oh, Meishele. They call Meishele the singer. Meishele the singer. You sing for us. You be the chazan for us. So Meishele says, I can't sing for you. I can't sing. Look, I'm, I'm changed. I don't have it in me. Not the same person. So Kleisenberger Rebbe says, I, knew, I know you. I know your father. I know your grandfather. You have purity. You have holiness. Meishele. Sing for us. Daven for us. So Meishle leads the... It was Rosh Chodesh. He starts davening for them. But he felt like a robot. He felt saying the words. But he didn't identify with it. He didn't identify. He didn't have the moon. didn't have the faith in what he was saying. So he continues the praying. And he gets up to... Um, gets up to Halal. To Rosh Chodesh. And Halal, there's a line. I will... What's the next line after that? I will not die, I will live. I will, I will, um, Hashem has pained me, he did not, did not let me die. So Kleisenberg Rebbe was there, and this Rebbe, this Belshad Sadik, had this custom, he would speak to God in Yiddish, in the middle of the Davenik. middle of the Davenik, he just talked to Hashem in Yiddish. So he stops, and he's talking to Hashem. He lost in the war, his wife, 11 children. 
Because my Rebbe lost his wife, left children to the Lord. Huh? Right, right. After when he, he, he lost, and he, he said, he started to cry. He says, Hashem, I don't know why you made me survive. I don't know why I had to live. I wish that I didn't have to live. I wish that you, I don't know, I, that, that you would take me with them. But if you made me alive, I choose to live. If you made me live, I choose to live. And I will do what, you, what I meant to do with my life that you've given me. That's what the Kleiser Rebbe, Rebbe said to Hashem. Middle of the davening. Kleisenberg, Kleisenberg, Kleisenberg. Before him? No, no, he's a different Hasidic dynasty. So when he said that, a lot of Holocaust survivors were unable to cry after the Holocaust. There was so much pain inside them, they couldn't cry anymore. So this uh, Meshala, he also couldn't cry. But, but hearing the Rebbe cry, all of a sudden, all the tears that he had inside of him, he was able to release the time to cry. And he was crying so much, he couldn't continue the avenue. He had to stop the avenue. He couldn't continue the avenue. And so the Kleisenberger Rebbe had himself to continue the avening. He took over. And when he finished the avening, he called over Meshala to his room. Comes into his room. Kleisenberg, he tells the Kleisenberger Rebbe, that he can't do this. He can't continue. He's not the same person. He, 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 the person you knew is not, not here anymore. Yeah, I died. I, I died, Rebbe. I died. So the Sadiq says to him, he says, you could feel unworthy. You could feel low. You could feel completely dry, completely insensitive. But you have to know something. You are carrying the torch of of your fathers and grandfathers, their songs, their, their music, their fire, you're carrying their torch. And this beautiful golden chain of the Jewish people, you're the one who's carrying it on from that generation to the next generation. You have to know you're carrying the fire. And whatever is going on, you have to know you have a mission. Where you are, in the situation that you're in, Hashem has empowered you to do this mission. That's what he said to him. And those words literally changed his life. Moshe Kraus, Meishel Dazinger, he became the first chazin in the IDF. He was the first cantor in the IDF. He was a cantor, he was a top cantor in Belgium, in Mexico, in Johannesburg. And he, throughout, throughout his life, he inspired thousands of people with his beautiful, beautiful, um, beautiful voice. So getting back to our, uh, our, our question about being stuck in life, this, this question is very relevant to this week's Torah portion. The Klesen Meregor said to him one more thing. He said, when the Jewish people came to the Reed Sea, right? It was a very difficult situation, impossible situation. There's no way out. And Hashem released them from that, from that impossible situation. So the Tzalik said to him, you have to know that when Hashem released the Jewish people from then, it wasn't just from then, it's in every situation that Jew is in. The Torah says that all the, when the Reed Sea split, it wasn't just the sea that split, it was all the water in the world split. It was just for that moment, that place, that all the water in the world split. The means is that every situation that a Jew is in, whatever's going on, Hashem gives him the ability to go through that, to break through that obstacle, to break through the, the impossible situation that he's in. The, all the water in the world split means when the salvation happened in, in Egypt for the Jewish people, Hashem brought salvation to each of us in, in that exact situation where we feel there's just no way out. That salvation was for all of us. But how does this happen? The Torah says that exactly how it happens. The Torah says the water. So goes on. How are you feeling? The Torah says this. 
when they got to the Reed Sea, the water turned into dry land. What's a water? So Gemara says, whatever you find in dry land, you find in the water. In dry land you find trees, you have trees in the water. In dry land you find animals, you have animals in the water. The water has many more trees and much many more animals than there are in dry land. But the difference is, whatever is in dry land is open and revealed. Whatever is in the sea is covered. When you look at the sea, all you see is water. So in ourselves also, we have a sea, we have dry land. We have inner strength, inner powers, inner koiches, inner things inside us. We have our external things going on. So Hashem gives us the ability, when we're encountering a situation that's impossible, He gives us the ability to reveal the inner stuff inside us. But how do we get across the sea? How do we reveal that? So what happens is, what happened to Jewish people then? We know what happened. In front of them is the sea, behind them is the Egyptians, and they're stuck. What happens? You know, Mechilta says, there's four groups. One group says, let's just throw ourselves in the sea. One group says, let's fight the Egyptians. One group says, let's go back to Egypt. One group says, let's dive in. And to all these groups, Moshe tells them, stand and see the salvation of Hashem. You've seen the Egyptians before, you'll never see them again. Hashem will fight for you, you should be silent. Don't starve in, be quiet, don't fight. Hashem will fight. Stand up, don't give, don't, don't give up. These four groups are inside of us. We have these four groups inside of us. We have these four directions inside of us. It's not a, something that happened in the past. The Torah says, when the Jewish people cross the sea, what does it say? Az Yashir. Then Moshe sings. It doesn't say he he, he sang, it says he sings. Because Hashem gave us the ability to sing and to break through we'll whatever. Sing. Huh? We'll sing. Oh, so one explanation is Rashi says, will sing. Rashi says, but the reason Rashi says, will sing because you can't say it means he's singing. He stopped singing. But another explanation is that it's continuous, that it's a continuous song. That whenever a situation we have, we're able to sing a nigan and be happy and to break through it. So the question is, how do we do this? So we have... These four groups, what's the first group say? The first group says, let's just go in the water. Go in the water. Let's kill ourselves. What is, what, I mean, it's hopelessness. Why does a person become hopeless? What is hopeless? So what does it mean to be hopeless? Hopelessness means that you're consumed by your pain and you can't see any way out. You can't, you can't think logically. You can't define what happened and what didn't happen. You're just completely darkened like I shared with you about the, the class that I took about suicide, that the reason a person wants to commit suicide, everyone has issues, a person wants to commit suicide is because they see all the issues pile up in front of them and they're blind, they can't see any way forward. That's why they decide to have to commit suicide. But not just suicide. A person has such pain, they want to escape their pain, so they go to get, they get, addic- they get addicted. They get addicted to drugs, they get addicted to alcohol, they get addicted to internet, they get addicted to watching the news. They just, they want to escape their pain, they're consumed by their pain, they just, they just throw themselves into the water, they throw themselves, they want to escape, they want to go to something else. And um, there's also a spiritual kind of, of suicide. A person says, I want, to die. I want to learn Torah all day. I want to daven all day. I, they, I don't want to live in a world where, where there's such evil. I don't want to live in a world where, where Paro is victorious. I don't want to live in that world. I want to go, I, and they throw themselves into, into their tavening, into the Torah. It could be that too. But the bottom line is that they're not thinking that they have any... They don't think about what Hashem wants in the world. That they could do something and change the world. They don't think it's possible. There's another kind of scenario where the person says, let's go back to Egypt. The person says, I'm so, I have to do the things I'm used to always doing. 
I, I was addicted to marijuana, I was addicted to cigarettes, I was addicted to anger. I can't stop being angry. Look at this one guy. Ah, oh, Shalom Aleichem. Long time no see. So uh, th- there was this guy who he went to this therapist. therapist says, you know what you need to do? You start complimenting your wife. You just say a kind word to your wife. That's, he has this issue with Shalom Bayes. You have to start saying, she, she wants you to say kind words to her. Say good words to her. So the guy's like, give me a different idea. <laughs> give me something else. Well, the person feels, I need to go back to the pattern I'm used to. I can't try a new pattern. I can't, they, they feel they're stuck in a certain pattern. I can't stop being angry. Because it's the way I am. I can't stop being the way I am. They feel like, like, like they're not like in a situation of hopelessness where they're not alive. They're alive, but they're looking through a keyhole in life, and they don't have this this broader vision of things ever of ever ever getting better. They, they just think like they, they they've given up on on victory. They've given up on freedom. They've given up on on things ever getting better. They just look at the world, and they they may do good things. They get up in the morning to pray. They get up, and they, something's a favor. They could do them a favor, but. Um, but there's no, there's no vision, there's no, there's no vision of any future. They just feel that it's always will be the same. Power will always be the king. And there's a third group. The third group, you said the first group. The first group is, 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 the, is a tzalik in the fur coat. The first, the first group says, I have a choice. It's cold outside. I have a choice. So either I'm going to warm up uh, my house. That's too small for me, just my house. I'll put on my fur coat. I'll warm myself up. Who cares about my house? So that's a, the first group is the person is in pain and just ignores the situation. Let me go away from everyone. And he just focuses on himself. It, it, it's really, um, this idea of, 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 um, of hopelessness is really, is really a foolish thing. It's, it's, it's where, where we get caught up by our emotions, this false narrative in our minds and our feelings that we thought we were in charge and now we realize we're not in charge of the world and we feel like crushed and broken and we can't go forward. That's, that's the first group. We, we feel like we're, we're stuck. We can't go forward. We feel completely overwhelmed with pain. And it's, it's, it's a feeling. It's not the truth. not the reality. The second group is, is willing to go forward, but life will never change. Then there's a third group. The third group says, let's fight the Egyptians. Sometimes fighting means that you feel victory. But victory could often be something you have to be victorious over. Sometimes wanting to be victorious is a negative thing. Sometimes you want to be victorious because you want to hurt someone. You want to do vengeance to someone. Some people are always looking for a way. Their religiosity is always about putting someone else down. They're the guys who are always looking. This guy is talking during the evening. He's the one who's talking. They're always looking for a way. That their religiosity is expressed in the fact that they're pointing out the flaws of other people. That's, that's how their religious thing is. Let's fight. There's his father. It happens often to fathers. His father, his son, was very insolent to, his, to the father. And he hurt the father's feelings. What does the father do? He puts his son in his place. And he insults his son back. And his son gets insulted. Did the father win? The father lost. Why did he lose? Why is the son insolent? Why is he chutzpahdik? What, what, what causes the chutzpah? Why, why, why does a person decide to act in an insolent way? Because they feel themselves nothing. They feel themselves garnished. They feel so low. So... The, with the, fa- the victory means that you build your child up you re- and you make them feel positive about themselves. So they don't need to, to, um, to contend with this, with this feeling of worthlessness and therefore they need to act so insolently. There was two girls in the schoolyard. One girl falls down. She hurts herself. And her friend sees her hurt herself. And the girl gets up. She's about to cry. She holds herself back from crying. She says, I'm a big girl. I'm not going to cry. And her friend says, I cry when I fall down. But after I cry, 
I pick myself up and I feel better. There are two kinds of ways of dealing with pain. There's a good pain and there's a bad. There's, we could choose if a pain is going to be good or a pain is going to be bad. You could, you could cry. When you cry, it's, it's a release of feelings. You feel a real pain and you have something in your heart and your stomach and you cry and you're crying. It like opens up for you a new, a new perspective. You like release something and you could think differently and feel differently. Then there's another kind of crying. Crying is you become a crybaby. You become someone who cries. You become someone who's, who's focused on, the, on this false narrative that, of the ego the, 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 the false ego, which says, I'm in control, I lost the control. Ego, the hopelessness of the first group says, it's all or nothing. Either it's going to be my way or, or it's all worthless. He can't see anymore what the real reality is. He lost it because he's, he's consumed with his, with his ego, with his pain, there's no, no place for himself. And the second group is like, okay, I'll, I'll put one foot in front of the other, but it's nothing's going to happen. The third group is, because he feels there's, there's something to fight against, he has to break He's focused on breaking, focusing on attacking. He's focused on hurting. He wants to hurt. Then we have the fourth group. The fourth group says, let's dive in. Dive is not a bad thing, right? Dive should be the right answer. Dive not, not the right answer. What's, why is dive not the right answer? There are some people who say, you know, I'm going to find the shidduch. I'm going to pray to Hashem. A friend of mine, his father was a, was a uh, mashkiach in a restaurant, in a, in a company, in a, in a factory. And the guy... Um, he's, going, he's visiting, he, he was a mashgiach in many different places, and he would see other mashgichim under him, other people working. He goes into this factory, he sees this guy working in the factory, he's mashgiach, and he's saying to him, he's sitting in his office saying to him, he says, uh, hey, what's going on in the factory? Is it kosher? You're seeing what's going on? He says, I see, but you know, I'm saying to him. I'm saying to him, I'm praying it's all going to be okay. It, it, it's, it's not okay to say, it says, the Torah says, Hashem gives, Hashem gives you the power to be successful. Hashem gives you the power. But you have to be successful. You have to do something. You have to do what you think to, in order to make go forward. You can't decide you're going to get find the shidduch and not meet anybody. You can't decide that Hashem is going to help you have parnasa and say, I'm not going to work. You can't decide that you're going to um, uh, not do anything to maintain your health. And You, you have to dive in. It's all, you realize Hashem is the one who controls, controls everything. But at the same time, Hashem wants us to do something. So this is, this is the um, really connected to Yud Shvav coming from the day of the Rebbe. The Rebbe, as I said, mentioned before, he brought life into every person he came in contact with. After the, the Holocaust, it was like the Shiva. There was a Shiva that never stopped. The Jewish people were in a state of Shiva. The Jewish people were in a state of like mourning for years after the Holocaust and, and would have kept on going. Until the Rebbe comes, the Rebbe says, Ufa What are you talking about? Build a school, build a Shiva, build a mikvah, get two children together, get children together here, get children together here, get adults together, make a shir, make a class. Make... And all of a sudden, it was a renaissance. It was a renaissance. The whole Jewish world was. Today, the, all the millions of people that put on film uh, since then, all over the world, and film and Shabbos, and Kashos, and, and it's growing, and it's alive, it's Lebedic. And this is what Moshe told the Jewish people, travel forward to Hatat Sinai. It says, the Torah says that a husband and wife, their, their union is like the splitting of the Red Sea. Sometimes a husband and wife are in a situation they can't see any way forward. They're in a situation they feel like, there's no way forward. There is a way forward. Go forward. Travel forward. That's like Hashem told the Jewish people. Don't jump in the sea. Don't give up hope. Don't go back to Egypt. Don't give. Don't. Don't look for violence as the answer. Is hurting. Don't just sit, putting your hands in your pocket and daven. Go get closer. Get closer to Mount Sinai. Look at the goal. Nachshon jumped in the sea, but not because he gave up. He went forward towards the goal. Look at the goal with your eyes. And there's this guy he has in his house a picture of the Rebbe going like this. Is when he was in a very low situation. He was by the Rebbe. And were like this, and all of a sudden things changed in his own feelings, and then in the in his life, 
is he has a picture in his office, a picture in his house. Imagine, there's all these things. Why are you so? Huh? should have a video all the time. <laughs> that's, that's what he has in his mind playing. But not just a video on the outside, a video on ourselves. Like this. You know, you know when you see the Rebbe, right? What's going to, you know, this. From Shmuel. You know, that's what I like. It's not, and that's what I mean. When the episode, when the, what they're bringing to every person? Life. Life. Every person you're in contact with. Go forward. The Sheikh is coming. Get involved. It's happening. The only way to get ahead is to make a step. Anyways, L'chaim, L'chaim, Baruch We should talk on the day of 15th of Shvat to decide to go with... You know what the first thing when the film Mashiach comes? What's the first thing? How do we know when the Mashiach comes? How are we going to know when the Mashiach has come? How are we going to know? Anyone knows? The chauffeur? The chauffeur blows. You, you don't be sure Mashiach comes and the chauffeur blows? I know someone else about the chauffeur. You're sure the chauffeur blows? How did we go? Yeah. <laughs> how are we going to know? Does anyone know the answer? How are we going to know Mashiach is going to come? Right? Going, you know how we, the Rebbe said how we know Mashiach is going to come? The Rebbe said we're going to feel how good it is and how sweet it is. And we're going to realize how, why is it so good and so sweet all of a sudden? Oh! Mashiach has come already. We're going to feel it. We're going to feel it so good and so sweet. Let's get, let's get, let's start now. Let's start now with are you so? For the goodness, for the sweetness, for the growth. Chaim, chaim, rach. That's what I look for. Yo.